Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Amen, amen. Well, we are in week number two of a series that we call Life, Money, and Hope. If you missed last week, that's all right. You can get on the podcast. You can get on the website and get caught up. I actually told a story last week um, of, of a, a boy in a RC helicopter. And so uh, somebody brought this already first gift in for the gift exchange. Uh, you can check out that story for yourself. I'm just going to tease you with that. But, man, so thankful for so many of you that that bring in all these gifts, changing the lives of boys and girls one gift at a time. Come on, somebody. But I, I, we named this series Life, Money, Hope on Purpose because if you live for five minutes, you know that life often <laughs> brings some challenges it brings some difficult situations, some opportunities to feel hopeless. Same thing in our money sometimes. Some of us actually feel that way now. You're like, yes, I feel hopeless in my money situation. Like, it's never going to change, and it just feels like this is what it's always going to be. And it's just the way it feels sometimes that we can often lose hope in those areas, whether it's relationally, maybe in our marriage, maybe it is in our finances, maybe it's just emotionally. So often we lose hope emotionally. Why is it that in the holiday season, the season that hope was literally came into our world on a rescue mission, why is it in that season that so many more people feel hopeless? It's a direct attack of our spiritual enemy, the devil, right? He's trying to counter the very thing that God sent. You realize God sent Jesus, his son, to bring hope to a, a, a hopeless people. And that's the season that the enemy ramps it up. So that's why we ramp it up too, baby. Like, what you think you got more? Like, we got the, we got the Spirit of God inside of us. The same power that lived, that, that raised Christ from the dead is in us. So, yeah, we're going to ramp up what we do in this season because we're going to bring hope to as many people as we can. So that's why it's so important that we begin to get a different perspective on giving, on generosity, on our money. Because God has called us to make a difference. Okay? We got to start there. God has called us to make a difference. Thank you right here on the front row. Let me get everybody else. God has called us to make a difference in the world around us. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the world. But how can we make a difference if we can barely take care of ourselves? If all my resources, 100% of my budget, plus some more, if everything I have is accounted for to pay for something else that I've committed to, then when God whispers in my ear and he says, hey, I I want you to bless that person. I want you to be part of this. I want you to give towards that. Like, God, I'm sorry, I, I can't. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all tied up. And that's why I believe many of us are, is that we don't have an issue necessarily with being generous. So many of us want to be generous. We, we want to be, yeah, I, I want to buy 100 gifts for kids. Like, but we're just strapped. We can't. Like, we just don't have the ability to. And I believe that God wants to bring freedom to our lives in the area of our money. God wants to bring freedom just even to the way that we think about God and our money together. Right, because we've bought into some bad thinking in that area. We've we've bought into some things, even the way the world is about money, right? The world has convinced us that debt is good. Right? <laughs> that if you don't have debt, how are you gonna have a FICO score? And if you don't have a FICO score, what good are you, right? <laughs> like like as if I'm meant to worship the FICO score and do everything I can to make sure that's high, right? The world we but but as believers, we bought into this way of thinking. We bought into this ideal that if I have debt, debt is what I need to build my financial future. And if I don't have it, how am I going to do this? As if our God isn't big enough, the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hill couldn't help us out a little bit, right? Right. 
right? So we, we bought into this. And God actually has a different way of thinking that he wants us to begin to align ourselves with his way of thinking. Because, listen, we can never get what God promised by doing what the world says. We can never get God's promises. We can never get God's blessings by living our lives according to principles that are opposite to God's principles. But we so often do that, and then we're like, God, where are you? I thought you said you would do this for me. Come on, somebody. We're going we're gonna to experience some freedom in our thinking, right? So we're going to start this series right here, and in, in, it's kind of been our theme, our kind of base for this series. It comes from the book of Haggai. Some of you didn't even know that was in the Bible. You're like, Haggai, what? Like, it's a book called Haggai. I see we're already getting smarter just at the beginning of the message. You're like, now we know there's a book called Haggai. It's in the Old Testament near the end of the Old Testament. Haggai chapter 1, right? Verse 5, it says this. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. So, you're like, just think about what you're doing. Don't just, just run around and just, hey, like, we need to give careful thought to our ways. So, if we really want to bring change to any area of our life, it starts in our thinking. Give careful thought to what you're doing. If you want to affect change in an area of our life, it starts in the things that we're thinking about. He goes on and he says, let's see if this, any of this sounds familiar in, in an area of your life. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. So you're, you're trying, you're sowing, you're doing things, but you're just not getting much back and wondering something's missing. It's not working. What's going on? Like, but, but it's true. God's way works. So, so what's happening? He says, you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. That's funny. <laughs> but if you've ever had it happen, it's not funny. <laughs> you know, like it's funny when you think about it. But think about that for a minute. If you put $100 in your pocket, you're walking around, and then you realize like 10 minutes later that you have a hole in your pocket, and your $100 is gone. That's, that's not when it's not funny. Right? It's frustrating. And sometimes life can lead us to that frustrating point where, like, what is going on? I, like, I feel like I just I can never catch up. Why can't I catch the break? What is happening? And so he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Saying it again as if we didn't hear him the first time. Pay attention to what you're doing. You're doing a thing, but it's not working. So if it's not working, we need to begin to look at what we're doing. We need to begin to change our thoughts about what we're doing, begin to get the mind of the Lord about it and not just the mind of everybody else because there's a lot of information out there. How many of you know? There's, we live in the information age. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of information out there about money and what to do with it, good and bad, but mostly it's wisdom that doesn't come from Scripture. We've got to begin to think differently about our resources. I love what Billy Graham said. He said it this way. He said, if a person could get their attitude straight towards their money, it would help straighten out almost every other area of their life. So if we could just begin to think differently about God's involvement in our money, if we could begin to straighten out the resources and all of our stuff and all of our money area, it'll affect every other area, right? It'll affect our health. It affects our emotions, right? Because when you're, when you're strapped, when you're barely making it, wondering how you're going to feed your family, you know, you, there's turmoil <laughs> going on the inside. Sometimes you're losing sleep over it, right? It would affect our marriages, right? If we could get money right in our marriages, right, it could change our marriage, right? Because when you're in debt, when things are tight, there's more tension in the marriage. Like, there's all that kind of stuff there, right? In fact, of marriages that divorce, 50% less money as the, as the reason, Right? If we could get that area straight, 
it begins to affect a lot of other areas. So I want to talk about today the dangers of debt and some of those things, but I want to talk about it just differently because we know debt is bad, but I want to talk about it through this lens of hope. That's why we call this series Life Money Hope because God has hope for us. There's hope for us, and it's not a hopeless situation. So I don't know if you found yourself in a desperate situation. You feel like you're just in a pit. You feel like you're in this impossible thing. You can't escape. There's hope today. God has hope for us. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about it. Here's what Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7 says. It says, the, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Like, that's, that's why we need freedom. We need freedom so that we can actively do what God is calling us to do and not be slave to somebody else, right? And the Bible is extremely vocal on the subject. So many times we start talking about this in church and people either check out, they roll their eyes, like he just wants our money and all this stuff. Listen, none of that is the case. Like God is going to take care of me. God is going to provide for this church and God is going to continue to excel the vision of this church. You realize that as a church, like every week we get to vote on the vision, right? We get to vote on how we do things, right? The vision is set. This is what we're going to do. We're going to move forward. We just get to decide how quick we do it. That's what God has put in our hands. He's called us to accomplish a purpose, to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and connect them to their purpose. And we vote every week on how quickly we do it by our serving and our giving. Why isn't people ask all the time, what's going on with it? Well, we vote on it every week. So if we want to see more things happen, we want to see more people reached, it's going to take all of us. Right? That's what God has called us to do. And he's, he put this topic in the Bible of our resources, our money, and our stuff, and how we handle it five times more than prayer and heaven and hell combined. God wants us to talk about it. He wants us to know about it. Like when we talk about it, we, should, we shouldn't feel afraid or worried about it. We should be excited about it. Sixteen of the 38 parables that Jesus shared, they were about our resources, our stuff. There's something that God wants us to know about it. So we're going to talk about this today and kind of begin to get a a different perspective. You know, if you want to win something, we need to talk to some people who are winning, right? Right? If you go get a personal trainer, you know, and, and, uh, you know, they run a lap and they're out of breath. That's a problem. Hope you kept your receipt. Get that money back. Right. Like same thing. If you if you need marriage advice, you don't find the the book or the someone to help you that's been married eight times. And now they're on their ninth marriage. Hope it works out. But I don't want your advice. (laughs) I'm going to if you want marriage advice, you find somebody who's been married once for 50 years. If we want advice, if we want to figure out how to win and do things right, we need to find out from somebody who's winning. So we're going to get advice from God's word because there's there's so much there's even bad there's so much bad examples of even how to handle money. I mean, our own government is twenty trillion dollars in debt, acting like it's no big deal. MBD, it's no big deal. Like there's not going to be a day. But listen, there's always a day of reckoning for the choices that we make. It's, it will always come back. So we've got to be aware. And if you want to know if God's way works, you want to know how to figure it out, you just got to try it for yourself. I, I can't convince you of it. It's not my job to twist your arm or convince you of it or pressure anybody. Like, that's not, like, Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. You've got you to gotta taste it for yourself, right? I can eat a pumpkin pie up here in front of you guys and just tell you how good it is. That's the problem with Food Network. I love it. But then I want to eat it all. And I can't really, and no matter how well they describe it, I don't know how good it is because I didn't try it for myself. 
So if you want to know if God's way works, you need to try it for yourself. That's why he said, test me in this. Put me to the test and see for yourself if it works. So don't take my word for it. You work it out with him. Like, all right, let's do this. You got to figure it out for yourself. So if we're in whatever money problem, maybe you're in debt, maybe you're in a relational problem, maybe you're struggling with an emotional problem, wherever it is that you find yourselves today, I want to look at this whole idea of, of, of the way out through the story of the prodigal son. And we all know this story. It's actually a parable that Jesus told. And it's found in Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. But I want to look at it through this lens. We know the story, right? The, the young man, he came to his father and he said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Right? And I say it that way because I want you to feel the arrogance that he came to his father with, right? Because he's saying, give me my inheritance now. All that stuff that I'm going to inherit when you die, I want it now. I wish you were dead. That's what he's saying. So his father's like, well, okay, if you think that's best. Sometimes we're, we're, we just keep asking for a thing and asking for a thing and asking for a thing and asking for a thing. God, give me this. God, give me this. And God's like, that's not what I have for you. God, give me this. God, give me this. That's not, that's not my best for you. And finally, he's like, okay, if you want that more than my way, you can have it. So the son, he took everything that he had, and it says he left, and he went out and spent everything on wild living, on living that doesn't even matter. That at the end of the day, you don't even know what you lived for. And that's where he found himself. He found himself next, and it says there was a famine in the land, and he had nothing. And that will always happen, doesn't it? It doesn't always seem there will always be a famine that comes, and you'll find yourself in this place where we've spent things and we're in this place and now there's a famine and there's nothing and we're in this day of reckoning and sometimes we're in this hurting situation. That's the point where so many of us realize that nothing else will do except for God. So if you're in that place today, don't worry about it. Like that's the place where God can reach down and grab you the most because you realize like everything else didn't work. All I've got is you. God. Like that, God is in that place too. I love the promise from Romans chapter 8 in, in that place, if you find yourself in that place, because that's where the, the prodigal was, right? He was starving. He had nothing. And so he went and took a job, right? He was working in the pig pen. It says he was so hungry that he longed for pig's food. I don't know about you, but I don't want to eat no pig food. Doesn't sound very good, right? Doesn't sound good. Here he is. He's got nothing. He's in a desperate situation. He's in at the bottom of the pit. But listen to what God's word says. It says, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him. Number one, those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. Who loves the Lord in this place? Come on, somebody. Come on. All right, listen to me. You are called for God's purposes. Okay? Thank you for those little golf claps over there. Let me tell you again. Listen. You are called to his purposes. You are called. So God is going to be in the midst of every situation, right? That's what he's saying. If we back it up for those that are called, that God is called, that's all of us. For those of us that love him, right? Then God is going to be in the middle of everything, working out all the details, everything for your good. So that means if you find, if you feel like I'm in a pit, I'm in a desperate situation, I don't even, I didn't want to be here, but somehow I ended up here like God is right there with you. I love it. Like he's right in the middle of it with you. He hasn't like, and he'll be in there and he'll be all up in your Kool-Aid during that whole thing. He'll be messing stuff up and he'll be like, hey, come on. I know the way out. Let's go this way. But you need to leave that behind. Like, like, and and just let, let, why don't we change this and get that? He's just going to be all up in there working around and stuff. And then he like, he's like, let's go. That's the way out. That's who he is. It's so good. Come on, somebody. 
you realize there's things in life that we have the ability to, problems that we have the ability not to allow in our lives, right? Like our decisions and our choices, like we allow things in our lives. Like you realize that if we're in debt, it's our fault. We have the ability to control if we're financially strapped. We're like, well, I, I, I'm just at this job and I can't make. Like, well, then we need to look at what's going on. Like, we, the choices that we make, we have the ability to say no to some things. Let's all try that. Can we say no together? Everybody say no. No. I was good right here. Let's try it one more time just so it sticks a little bit. Everybody say no. No. That's right. No, you don't need to go sign that new car lease today. Okay. Somebody just receiving the word today. Every time we find ourselves in this place, in this desperate place, in this dark pit, wherever we are, we always end up there for the same reasons, right? There's a progression that happens, and we need to be aware of what's happening. If we want to find the way out, we need to know how we got there because awareness is half the battle, right? We need to know that how we got in this place. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these couple things down. The first thing that happens is we, we believe a lie. Every time we find ourselves in a pit, it starts in this place of believing a lie. And it's our spiritual enemy, the devil, that comes and whispers in our ear. It's his number one go-to tactic to lie to us. We see it the first time he shows up in the Bible. We see he's lying to Eve, right? It's what he does. He comes and lies to us. He's the deceiver. He takes things that are good, and he, he lies about them, makes them, he, he tricks us about them, right? So he's, he lies to us, and he gets us to buy into this whole thing about how we can handle it. I don't need God's involvement. And what happens is this, uh, the self-absorbedness, like this, this prideful thing, this thing, I got to look out for me. I've got to make sure I have, like that, that, that prideful thing starts to well up on the inside of it. And he always speaks to that and never mentions the cost. Don't you like how he never mentions the cost? It's like like in our marriages, right? So many times, like, we'll start looking at somebody else at this other thing. Well, if I was with them, we wouldn't fight as much. Uh, they look better and, and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. And he's, he's lying in your ear saying that if you were with them, things would be better. But he's not telling you that the grass is greener because the water bill is ten times higher. He's not telling you that it's going to cost you everything. He's not telling you that when you see your neighbor roll up in that 2019 and you're, you're sitting over here and yours 2015, that it's not good enough anymore. That oh, I just, I, if I want to keep up, if I want to make sure that I like my car doesn't drive itself. Yeah, you are the driver of the car. We buy into a lie. We buy into a lie. Proverbs 16, verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit goes before a fall. So how do we stop it from happening? How do we, like, we have the ability to abort the process right here of allowing it to go any further, right? So how do we do it? So a haughty spirit goes before a fall. So let's back it out. Sometimes I like to read a scripture in reverse and give a different perspective. So before a fall will come a haughty spirit, right? Before destruction will come pride. So that, that's why we need people in our lives, because it's really hard to spot pride in your own life, right? So we need people in our lives that can speak into us. Someone who has permission to say, hey, bro, you got some pride going on. Why is that so important? Because if I don't have that, it's going to lead me to a place of destruction. We've just got to, like, we've got to have that in our lives. We've got to have each other in our lives. We've got to have some, some gratefulness, right? If we can begin to live grateful, 
It's going to change everything, right? See, because if we can begin to be thankful, God, I can't believe you've blessed me with what I have. I can't believe how good I have. Then there's not going to be that much the devil can tempt us with, right? Because I'm so, I'm, God, I'm, I'm just so grateful you blessed me. You gave me this job. You gave me house. You gave me food to eat. You gave me everything. You gave me this family. You gave me my wife that I prayed for, right? All these things. And if we can just begin to live with some gratitude and some gratefulness, God, thank you just gave me life today because tomorrow's not promised to me. But I have today. God, thank you for these hands that I can that I can work with. God, thank you these feet that I can. Like if we can begin to be grateful, like, like I'm just the devil's not going to be able to bring lust into my life so that I would lust for other things. Because I'm just so I just can't believe I have what I have. Like we got to begin to live with some gratefulness. But if we let the prideful spirit play out in our lives, it leads us to the second part, and that's where we engage in the self-destructive behavior. All right, it's the second step. It's where discipline goes out the window. I'm not controlling my thoughts anymore. I'll look at whatever I want. I'm not disciplined in my finances. I'm not disciplined in my speech to my words. Fly off a, a handle, lose my temper. I'm, there's no discipline. The discipline goes out the window because we've get engaged in a self-destructive behavior. It sounds like this. I, can't, I just can't help myself. This is who I am, right? I deserve this. I've worked so hard. What harm could it do? I'm not hurting anyone. It's, it's, it's just it doesn't hurt anybody. It's not that bad. That's what it sounds like. I love, love this translation, the message translation of this verse because it's so blunt. <laughs> there's no messing around. He says, it's Proverbs 14, 12. He says, there's a way of life that looks harmless enough, but look again because it leads you straight to hell. <laughs> like he's like, hey, I'm not playing. I just want you to know. Like it's just, I love that verse. Come on, somebody. Like we've got to get our lives back in order. We've got to put some priorities back in place, but first things first and let everything else come after that. If we ignore that one, it goes deeper. And that's the third one where we isolate ourselves from people that can help. That's where we isolate ourselves from God and even from others. We were made for a relationship. We are made for community. We are not made to be isolated. When we're isolated and off by our own, that's where the enemy, he wants us to be because he can swoop in and he can take people out. He can take people out. It sounds like when we start saying like, because we want to be so private, we don't want anybody to know, right? Like, I don't want anybody to know, right? Sounds like I don't owe them an explanation. They don't know me. They don't know what I've been through, right? It sounds like I can do it on my own. I'm just, I'm just embarrassed about it, right? Because it's just, it's just easier to wear the mask, right, than to deal with it, right? The mask, you know, that we put on so that everyone thinks everything is great and we don't have any issues. We don't have any struggles. We don't fight in our marriage. We don't have money problems. I don't want anybody to know, like, I, like I'm not going to make my bills this month. I just, it's not their business. You isolated yourself, and now the enemy can get you wherever he wants. So we've isolated ourselves. Proverbs 18, verse 1 says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He rages against all sound of judgment. Mom, we, we are not made to be isolated. If we ignore that stage, that's where we end up in a place that I hope none of us end up there, which is why I'm sharing this message today. And that's we would end up in a dark place because we've followed the progression. And every time we end up in a dark place, it's because of this progression. Whether It doesn't matter the area, if it's in our finances or if it's in our relationships or in our emotions or wherever it is we end up here. That's what the prodigal did. He found himself in a desperate place. I know in my own life, Heather and I, 
ended up in that place before. I know what it's like. We were young and married, and we didn't know much, and we thought we did. (laughs) And we just made some terrible decisions. We didn't communicate about our money. We didn't budget. We spent more than we made, and we weren't telling each other that we were even doing that. And so we got to the place where we lost everything. We lost our house. We lost a lot of our belongings. We lost everything. Here we are, young and married and with a baby and nowhere to live and nothing. I remember the day we were sitting at this intersection. It's it's called 71st and Memorial in a town where we're from, Tulsa. We're sitting there, and we were literally counting out change to see if we could buy, you know, a loaf of bread and a thing of peanut butter to eat for the rest of the week so we'd have something until we got paid again. And that's, that's just where we were. And we ended up in this place, and we had to do some things to get out. That's the good news of it is that with God, there's always a way out. There's always hope, but we've got to change some things, right? It's just not going to happen. You can wander into debt, but you cannot wander out, okay? When I went to college, I started there in the first week outside of the cafeteria. You know, they strategically put it near the food. All these tables of people were just ready to give me a credit card. All you had to do was just write your name and sign it. Okay, thank you. Oh, another one? Oh, thank you. Oh, and this one too. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Right? You can wander right into that thing, baby, but you, can, you, you cannot get, you got to fight and claw to get out. Like, we got to be aware, right? But here's the good news. I love this. Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are in a crushed spirit. It's one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 34. I encourage you to read it sometime. It's just so good that when you're in that place to know that God is with you, that there's never a point of no return with God. Isn't that good to know? Never too, never too far, never too late. Some of us think that with God, that I've done too much. I like the prodigal son. He, he started to formulate this plan. I'll just go back to my dad. I'm, I shouldn't be his son anymore. I've done so much wrong, but I'll just, I'll just be his servant. I'll just work for him, and hopefully I'll just have some food. Some of us approach God that way, thinking we've done too much. God, I've gone too far. I've done too much, and now I know you're mad at me, and you're going to kick me out. Because if any of us as parents would do that, you know, you always go to the ones who need more help. Like, you need some more of my help. So, I, like, I, like, right? But we, we come to God and we think this way, but just realize that there's never a point of no return for a God who specializes in bringing the dead to life. Come on. That's his specialty. He's like, you got some dead things in your life? You got some problems? Good. That's what I do. Come on. Well, he brings the dead to life. He's so good to us. So here's the prodigal. And I love, I love, love this picture of the father. So he, he gets up out of the pig pen. He's got this plan. He's got his speech plan. And he's heading back. He's like, I'm going to go back to my father. And it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 20, he says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So here's, here's the father. I mean, the only way he would have seen him a long way off is if he was looking for him. Like, I can just, can't you just picture the father, like, on the front porch? Like, you, you, got, you guys see anybody? Like, scanning the horizon. Scanning, looking. Maybe today's the day. Today's the day. Maybe my son will come home. Looking. Hey, hey, you guys see that? See the, the little speck way, way back there? Like, no, bro, that's nothing. That's, just, that's a bird or something. No, no, no. It's getting bigger. I think, I think it's my son. It's my son. My son is coming back. And that's what the Heavenly Father is doing. He's up in heaven, and he's, he's looking for us. He's saying, maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day they'll let me in and say, God, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. He's saying, maybe today's the day they'll invite me to be part of their finances. 
Maybe today's the day they'll, they'll let me into that secret place of their heart, that, that pain they've been dealing with. Maybe today's the day I can rush in with all that I got. Today's the day. Come on, today is the day. Tell your neighbor, say, today is the day. He ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him, and he loved him. And the son gives him the speech, and he's like, Dad, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be your son anymore. Just let me work for you. And, I'll, and the dad's like, be quiet. None of that, bro. You are my son. You got everything. Everything you need is yours. Like, that's who God is. That's who we serve. That's the God that we serve. Come on, somebody. Let's give him some praise. Come on. That's good right there. With God, there's always a way out. So if you are in a dark place today, you're in a desperate place, maybe you're in debt, maybe your marriage is on the brink of divorce, maybe emotionally you're struggling with, you know, feelings of depression, maybe you're struggling with thoughts of suicide, wherever you are, whatever desperate place you find yourself in, here's the way out, okay? So I want you to write these things down today. Number one, we need to acknowledge the reality of where we are. So much of winning the battle is just admitting it, asking for help, right? Self-help books won't help you because if you could help yourself, why don't you, like, then we wouldn't need God. But we can't. Like, we need help. If you could help yourself, then why did you get yourself in the mess? (laughs) Right? Come on. We just, we want to be so private with all the things in our lives that we think that that's strength. Right. But it's really not. The truth is we're in debt to our eyeballs and we can't sleep. We need help. Some of us just need to get to the point where we can say with our mouths, I need help. I need help with this addiction. I need help. We're in debt. I need I need help. Proverbs 13, 7. One person pretends to be rich, pretends to have it all together, got their mask on. And yet they have nothing. That's sad. Sad place to be. And another person pretends to be poor and has great wealth. We think that we have to be perfect, right? Some of us, even with God, we think that in order for God to love us, we have to be perfect. But God never intended for us to be perfect. Listen, God doesn't even expect expect us to have it all together. Okay? If he did, then why didn't why is the Bible full of story full of stories of people who don't have it all together? I love King David, right? So many others, but King David is a great example because here he is, he committed adultery and he committed murder. And what did he do? God against you and you have only have I sinned, created me a clean heart. Like David just realized like he has to start by admitting what he had, what he had done, the place he got in, he got there on his own. Here's the second step. We need to do a plan of attack. You need a plan of attack. We start by admitting where we are. Then we need a plan of attack because it's not enough just to have the feeling, oh, I feel like I should do that. That's why in service, when we give the chance for people to respond to come to the front or to raise their hand and say, that's me, like, because we need to take the step. It's not enough to have the feeling to say, oh, yeah, God, I feel like you're moving in my heart. No, you need a plan of attack. You need to take a step. You need to get somebody in your corner who's for you, who's cheering you on, saying, this is the way we're going to go. Let's go this way. We're going to make these changes. Come on. It's awesome. Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve. Listen to it. It says, the prudent take, see danger, and they take refuge. The prudent see danger. So, oh, there's a problem over here. They take refuge. But the simple just keep going and going and going and suffer for it. Like, we need a plan of attack. So what's the plan? 
What's the plan? Some of us, we're in financial debt. We need to get out. Some of us just don't know how to manage our money, and we can never seem to get ahead. You need to get in Financial Peace University. It's a course we offer from Dave Ramsey. It's in January. I'm telling you about it now so that you can plan for it. I want you to plan for it, get ready for it, and get in that class in January. It's, it's nine weeks that we can invest in our future. We need to get a plan. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. Surely as haste leads to poverty. The diligent plan. The diligent do things, work hard, work like crazy to get out of the place that they're in. Like we need a plan to get out of those places. So here's the deal. If you're in debt, you need to make a budget. You need to have a conversation with your spouse. You need to communicate. You need to save $1,000 for emergencies, and then you need to do the debt snowball. If you don't know what the debt snowball is, get on YouTube, and you can. there's lots of videos out there on it. But basically, it's a way of attacking our debt that gets it out quickly. You start with your lowest one. You find $100, $200 in your budget. All of us can find it. Make some hard decisions. We'll free up that money. I'm going to send that money to start paying off my, my smallest debt first. So if it's $100 and my minimum payment on my smallest debt is $20, I'm paying $120 on that debt every month, right? My net, once that is paid off, I take that $120 I've been paying and I apply it to my next lowest minimum payment. So now I'm paying $120 plus $30. Now I'm paying $150 every month to that debt until it's paid off and so on and so on. And before long, it builds up. And, man, you can get out of debt like that. We need, to do, we need a plan to get out of the debt snowball. Here's the third part. Do it now. We just need to do it now. Just do it. Just do it. We need to... Do it. Now, we need to get into action and stop sitting back. I don't know how it's going to happen. No, we need to do it. I love this imagery from Proverbs 6, 5. It says, free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. We need some intensity about it. A gazelle is stuck being chased down by a cheetah in a trap. It's doing everything it possibly can to get away, right? You realize a gazelle can outrun a cheetah. But we've all seen the animal planet. We know it doesn't happen. The, the cheetah chases it down and eats it. We need to get some intensity and get out of those traps. So we need to get, if, whatever, if you're in a, being tempted relationally by someone who's not your spouse, you need to get some intensity and get out of that situation. If you need to change your job, change your job. If you need to cut off some relationships that are tempting you into addiction, delete some numbers, change some things, get some intensity. Do it now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it now. Come on, somebody. I always tell my daughter, Bella, like, Bella, later is not your friend. It's just true. We need to do it now. We need to do it now. And here's the fourth one. And honestly, this, this fixes where the whole other cycle began. And that's we need to humbly ask our Heavenly Father for help. To humbly ask our Heavenly Father for help. Just getting ourselves to this place where we say, God, I cannot do this without you. I need, I need your help. God, I need you. Right? We need that in our lives humility is a a powerful thing right because humility actually puts us into the favor of god and so we control if we're in god's favor okay let me show you in scripture first peter chapter five verse five it's so cool it's cool it says god opposes the proud so when we buy into the lie Right, And we're proud and prideful when we begin thinking not only are we headed for destruction, but he's saying God actually opposes the proud. So we were on God. Now God is literally against us. We're coming against God because we've allowed pride inside of us. But, 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 
but he shows favor to the humble. Woo! That's good, right? See, humility, living humble, puts us into God's favor. Nothing can take you from that place. You need God's favor in your life? We need to start to live humble. Now, humble gets a bad rap sometimes because we think being humble means I just, well, I'm just going to have what I have, and I just got this little crumb over here, and I'll just eat this little piece, and just I'm just okay with just this little bliss. And that's not humility. That's false humility. That's a lie that the devil wants us to buy in because Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood, and he was raised to life again, not so that you could scrape by, not so that you could just have this little piece. He died so you could have it all. So you could have the, it's all yours. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves, thinking that I should have this less and I shouldn't have God's blessings. And No, that's not humility. Humility is just thinking of ourselves less, like thinking about somebody else. Like, God, what I have came from you. I, I didn't do any of this on my own. You're my everything, God. So he says, so what do we do? If God does that, then what do we do? So we humble ourselves. It's open book test. You can see it there. We humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. Not so that he can push us down and be like, ah, look what I made them do. No, so that he can lift us up. That's what, that's what humility before God does. Is he lifts us up in the right season. So then we can cast all our cares, cast all our anxieties. We ain't got to worry about a thing, baby, because he cares for us. Like we just got like so many times in my own life, even I've quoted the last half of that scripture because it helps me feel better, right? Lord, I cast all my cares upon you because you care for me. But we miss the most important part of humbling ourselves before him. Saying, God, I need you. I have nothing without you. I need you today. I cannot make it at work today without you. I cannot lead my family without you, God. I, I need you every moment. I need you today. That's why Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, he said, Lord, give us today our daily bread. Give me what I need today. I don't care about tomorrow. Give me what I need right now today so that I can make it today so that I can be who you've called me to be. What would our church look like? What would our family look like if one year from now you're out of debt? What would your family, what would your kids, what would your relationships in your family be like if one year from now, like your marriage was healed and you weren't fighting, you were working together, you were having peace, you were serving God together? What would our church look like if a year from now all of us were out of debt? Think about what we could do in our city. Gideon defeated a massive army with 300. Think about what we could do in our city. Come on. That's what God has called us to. That's where he's leading us. To change change the course of our city. We don't need thousands upon thousands. Like, that's great. But, like, we got everything we need. We got everything we need to do what God has called us to do. We just got to change our thinking and get some things in line and begin to humble ourselves before him. Why don't we just do that right now? Can we do that together right now? Just right where you are, just just begin to tell him, God, I'm sorry. I've, I, I've, I've been prideful. I've done this on my own. I've been opposed to you long enough. God, I humble myself before you. God, I need you. Some of us just need to say that right to him right now. Just in your own words, God, I need you. I've been trying to do it on my own. I need you in this moment. Maybe wherever you find yourself today, whatever desperate situation, whatever place you find yourself, there's hope for you. God is with you. He's right here right now. He was with you all along. Even when you felt alone, he was still right there. And he's here today to bring you hope. 
to give you a way out to say, hey, let's move on. Let's go. I've got something greater for you to do. And right now, I know he's speaking to your heart. So many of us, we already know because we're facing it. And he's just, he's just breathing hope into that situation right now. Wherever you are in that, you're saying, that's me. I've been prideful. I've been trying to do without God. I, I need to make some changes in my thinking. Wherever you are in that, you're saying, that's me. Pastor, will you pray for me? Would you just lift your hands right where you are? I want to pray with people all across the room today. Thank you right over here. Thank you right there. Thank you back over there. You can put those down. Lord, I thank you. Thank you over there. Lord, I thank you for every single person that's here, Lord God. That as we humble ourselves before you, did it, God, we just right now, we declare our dependence upon you, God. We say we need you in every moment. And so, Lord, I thank you as we humble ourselves right now, Lord God. You're literally rushing in. Your favor is overwhelming and flooding into your people, Lord God. Your favor, Lord God, that, that brings us into places we don't deserve, Lord God, that ushers in your grace, that ushers in your mercy for us, that ushers in joy and forgiveness, God, that ushers in your blessing and your peace, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for your favor filling every life, Lord God, that you will teach us by your Holy Spirit to live humbly before you, not thinking that we've done anything, Lord God, but everything is through you and for you and because of you. So we thank you for it, Lord, in this place today. Lord God, I thank you for freedom. Somebody's experiencing freedom in your mind, in your life right now because you've allowed the Lord to speak to you today and he's changing things. He's, he's stirring things up on the inside of you. He's saying, I've, I've called you to something greater than you're doing now. You're, you're working at a place now, but I've actually called you into something, but I, I need you to change some of your thinking because I need you to change some ways that you're living so that you can get to this other place. Some of us, he's called us into something else, but we're so obligated to every other thing on our schedule. We're obligated in our finances, and he's calling us to something else, but he's saying, I guess I need to find somebody else because there's no room for me in your life. But today, Lord, I thank you. You're renewing purpose. You're renewing You're renewing discipline in some of us. Some of us have just become and lived so undisciplined. And you you know it. You know where, what area it is. And today he's calling you. He's like, all right, let's go. I love you. He's that good father. Some of us are here in this place and you just never realized that God is looking for you. You've always seen him as someone who's mad at you. And when you mess up, that he's going to strike you down or kick you out or be done with you day you're realizing like wow that's not god is actually knocking on your heart he's ready to run and hug you and pull you in and you're because you're his son you're his daughter and he wants to bring you into the family and he's got so much good for you because he just loves you so much and there's nothing you could ever do to change that no distance you could run to that would ever change that or stop his pursuit of you because he loves you so much and today you realize that i need God in my life. Maybe you've never made that decision before. You've never asked God to be part of your life. Maybe you've asked him to be part of your life, but if you were honest, you'd say your heart just got hardened to him. Life came along and things happened and your heart has just become hard. Today, you just, God is here to soften your heart. He's calling you. Just right where you are, you're saying, that's me on either one of those. Just I just need God in my life. 
just lift your hands. Just make eye contact with me somehow. Thank you right over here, right back there. Thank you. Thank you over here. Hands all over. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. Church, let's pray out loud all together. We don't pray alone in this house. We pray as family. Let's just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus.